As we did last week, we're going to be moving through some different scriptures this evening, so do have your Bibles ready. And just a quick note on, on why we're doing this, why we're jumping around a bit. So a bad way of preaching would be for us to just give you an idea and then try and justify it with lots of different Bible verses. That, that's not what we're trying to do here. What we are trying to do is, is follow our Reformed tradition's understanding that Scripture interprets Scripture. And so for some of these passages that we are thinking about, later writers in the canon, they give us insight into what the Spirit is saying in these earlier passages. So this evening we read out Galatians where Paul quotes Genesis and interprets a phrase. And so as we think about how the Spirit is, is using a phrase in Genesis, it's helpful to know how he explains it in the rest of Scriptures. So we're still trying to do what we always do. We're still trying to mine down into the text and find some gold. We're just taking direction for where to look from somewhere else. Maybe that's helped you. Maybe that's just confused you. Either way, let's turn to the Lord and ask him to speak to us this evening as we consider his word. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes and our hearts this evening. We want to follow you. We want to know you. But we know that we can only do that with your help. Guide us and transform us, we pray. Amen. Okay, so far in our series, Christoph took us through an overview of the whole Bible to get us to think about this great story of redemption that we are in and to set us on track to think about what our role is within that story. And then last week, Stuart really helpfully walked us through how we should be thinking about creation. And if you remember, he, he told us that we're not bound by the current cultural moment or, or by what we think we should be doing. We are bound by Scripture. Or to use Christoph's image of a, a play from a couple of weeks ago, it is the Scripture that gives us our lines and our stage directions. We always have to remember that, that, that God's Word is, is not just inspired, but it's also sufficient. And so we don't need to add things to, to make it more pragmatic or more palatable to people. God has, has given us his strategy for his mission. And so we simply have to do is, is, is just find out what it is and, and follow it. And so if last week we were thinking what that meant for how we interact with creation, this evening we're going to be asking about how we interact with the nations. How are we to be a blessing? So for those that take notes... We're going to try and come at an answer to that through uh, three things. Firstly, God's promise, as we have it here in Genesis 12. Then God's purpose, why he is giving us this promise. And then finally, we're going to think about what that means for God's people. So God's promise, God's purpose, and God's people, if you're taking notes. Let's dive into our, our first point there, God's promise. Verse 2, in Genesis, sorry, I should say. The, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. So notice there's, there's a command. That's what Abram has to do. And then here we see afterwards the promise that comes. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is a really pivotal passage, but since we're thinking about how we are going to be a blessing, well, we're going to focus on that final part, that 
all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And first we need to consider what exactly is the blessing that the peoples of the earth will get? And then how are we to deliver it? Now, some people will say that, that Abraham is acting like an example here, that, that if the nations act like Abraham, then they will be following God's creation ordinances. Uh, and since acting like God has decreed is, is good for us, if they do that, they're going to be blessed if they follow his ways. So think about it. If we, if we parent our kids like God has said that we should, it, well, even if they aren't Christian, they, they will benefit from having parents who, who love them and support them, who don't abandon them or abuse them, who, who teach them how to live so they don't get caught up in sin. God's common grace will naturally follow when we have Abraham as an example. Or for you to think wider than that, a city will be blessed if it has a church in it because the people won't be out stealing and vandalizing things. And so naturally, it will be a nicer place for everyone to live. It will have been blessed just by having the people of God live there. Just living like God has said is good makes people's lives better. And so there is a sense in which we bless people by following Abraham as an example. And so if we take that and read it as part of a, a covenantal understanding of the Bible, when we look at Israel, we should see her role to the surrounding nations. We should see it as being a model for others to follow. We, we should we'd see Israel going out and serving the nations, being a blessing to them. And then with us, with the church, when we think about what we are to do as the people of God, it is our ethical living that becomes the medium through which God's blessings flow. We become an example and serve others, and so the blessings of common grace are going to be present in their lives. And thinking of our mission and evangelism that way leads us to craft strategies and programs to bring the goodness and shalom to a place and allow that to be the testimony of God's glory and grace. And whilst I think that there is a, there's a sense of that, and we can certainly get to the, the call for holiness and the ethical living described through other parts of Scripture, that's not really what's being said here, is it? Is Abraham to be an example of ethical living? Will the nations be blessed by copying his obedience? Well, if Scripture interprets Scripture, what does Galatians say? For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So, so whilst people might be blessed by the common grace in following us an example, it's not a blessing that the New Testament seems to place very highly if all that it does is give them hope in relying upon works of the law. Instead, what we see in Galatians is that God announced the gospel in this promise to Abraham. And that gospel, that good news, that blessing was that all nations, and not just the Jewish nation, would be counted as part of the covenant by faith. So what we see from Galatians is that the purpose of the promise here is that all the nations would receive Christ Jesus and the promised spirit through faith. The announcement of the gospel to Abraham, is, as verse 8 in Galatians says, is because God's purpose was to justify the Gentiles by faith. 
the, the blessing then that, that comes through Abraham to the nations, well, it's faith. That's what verse 14 says, isn't it? He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. What the nations get, what's the Spirit? It's God. Now, we can look at history and see that where Christianity spreads, so do things like literacy and health care. But that's not what the Galatians say that the nations receive. Now, they might get them as secondary consequences, but, but the real blessing that they get is God. And so when we read Genesis again, we should be thinking about the meaning of, of all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. It's not primarily that because of Abraham or because with the people of God being there, they will have a better life. But, but that through Abraham, through the people of God, the nations will receive the Holy Spirit and will be redeemed by God. Through the line of Abraham, through the seed of the woman, and later through the witness of God's people and the gospel that they share, Jesus will come to the nations. That is God's promise. That is the gospel message for all people, that no one is excluded. And if they respond, anyone can be part of that great assembly of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation that will gather around God's throne in glory. Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world because the blessing that we receive is so far beyond anything that this world has to offer. But it's easy today to lose sight of that. Mission agencies focus upon stories that, that tug at the heartstrings or, or show photos that give us a, a tangible evidence of what your money goes towards. And look, none of that's bad. Unless we allow it to make us think that the message of Jesus is good, but to starving people, the real blessing is food. Now, again, the, the fruit of the Spirit should compel us to, to give food to the hungry, but, but we don't want to let that dilute just what a blessing it is to know God. Because whatever material blessing we give will soon pass. Only what is in Christ shall last. So we need to be clear and be firm that the ultimate blessing that God promises here is Himself, it's salvation. So that is, that is God's promise that through Abraham, Jesus would come, that the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the seed of the serpent, that he would bring faith to the Gentiles and salvation to the people. That's, that's what God is going to do. But we also need to get a sense of, of why he is doing it. What, what is God's purpose in all of this? Well, this section here, if you're reading in Genesis, doesn't end with God's promise, and, and we shouldn't forget the rest of this block. And so if you look to verse 4 onwards, what we see is that Abraham obeys the call of the Lord. He takes his family and moves. And the first thing that he does when he comes to this new land, the place where he is going to meet the nations that are going to be blessed through him, what is it? What does it say in verse 8? He worships the Lord. He builds an altar to the true God. He, he publicly proclaims God's glory for all to see. 
Abraham seems to, to understand here that it is through faith in God that people will receive blessing. And so he simply glorifies God. We just finished looking at the life of Abraham, so we know that at times he's a, he's a moral wreck. He seems to bend his morals and, and squirm under pressure. But where he does stay rock solid throughout his, faith, throughout his life is his faith in God, his trust and worship of God. The nations around him don't seem to be built up. He doesn't seem to go out and, and see how he can serve them. But how he, how he speaks and how he points people to God and worships God and through his family line and how they stick tight to the covenant, we see his focus on faith and worship of God. As Galatians says, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. God's purpose in blessing us, his purpose in, in coming as a man is to extend the kingdom to us and unite us to himself through his spirit. Through his spirit, God is gathering a, a people, resurrecting a people whose purpose is to worship and glorify him. And what we see when we think about the, the big Bible overview that, that Christoph started with is that God has chosen to bring this about through the death and resurrection of Jesus, through the, the seed of the woman that is promised and prophesied in Genesis 3 and then anticipated in the whole of the Old Testament. And the medium that he has chosen to announce that is, is through his church. Ever notice that the Great Commission starts with Jesus saying, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So God's purpose is the salvation of his people. He, he came as a, as a man to achieve that and then he sends his church out, his people out to proclaim that so that those, the sheep that are not of this fold would hear and repent and receive the promise of the Spirit. We are a people that God has chosen to work through to bring blessing to the nations. And we can see that we can see that in the passage, and we can affirm that. But we need to think, what does that actually and practically mean for us? How are we, as God's people, to bless those around us? How are we to walk in the ways of God? Well, before we take to the streets, before we do one single thing, even before we construct a committee... We need to orientate our mind to the understanding that the greatest blessing that we can give people is Christ. That our primary mission as, as a corporate people in relation to the nations is to proclaim Christ. We need to remember that the blessing is, is in Christ, that, that knowing Christ is the blessing. And of course, we'll be moved, always be moved by compassion to, to bind up the wounds of the injured and feed the hungry. And I'm sure that'll be greatly received. But the real blessing, the overwhelming purpose of the people of God is to herald the gospel, to point people to Christ. Now that might look really differently for each of us, for 
For some, it might mean having people around for dinner and, and letting them see your family in their devotional time and just how you live. For others, it might mean inviting friends to, to church, or it might mean getting a, a sandwich board out and, and going downtown. How we proclaim Christ is, is a matter of, of prudence, of, of wisdom. It's a matter that, that each of us have to decide for ourselves what fits best in our current situation. But that doesn't mean that we can avoid it altogether. We can't say that my situation is so different that I cannot proclaim Christ in any way in my individual life. We can't avoid this call. Now, as, as a corporate people, we are involved in, in proclaiming Jesus through our worship service, so, so it's perfectly fine to invite non-Christians here. Now, the service isn't tailored to them, and they'll probably think it's a little strange. But when we worship and the world looks on, they're going to see and hear the kingdom announced. But as individuals, we each have the responsibility and privilege of proclaiming the kingdom as ambassadors of Christ. And if we do love our neighbors and our co-workers and our friends and our, and our family, we should want to give them the, the, this most best and most abundant of blessings in Christ himself. Let's not be a people here involved in spiritual euthanasia, just making people feel comfortable in this world as they slowly die. Let's be a people who, who point others to God. Let's be a church that, that grows, not from Christians transferring in from other churches because we've got good programs here, but from seeing the lost finding their way home, from the, from the dead being brought to life. If we want to be that church, then we need to realize that we are a people who proclaim Christ. We are a people who are a blessing to the nations by introducing them to the kingdom. Not just through programs here, but as individuals set in the places that God has put us. Whatever that might look like to you, we need to understand and hear that we all have the capacity to bring the greatest blessing possible to people through talking about Jesus. But family, I don't want you to hear that as a burden. So often we talk about evangelism or, or talking about Jesus, and it feels heavy, it feels weighty. We feel terrified about going and doing it in the places where we are. I don't want you to think about that. Instead, I want you to think of the joy on that final day when you see a neighbor who you shared the gospel with stand beside you before the throne. Think of the blessing that it is to, to people struggling with, with family disputes and all the pain that's going on in this world for you to introduce them to their heavenly Father. Think of the, the love that you will feel when you meet all those who planted and watered the gospel in your life, of the gratitude that you have for them because, because they took that chance and through them God made himself known to you in your life. We all have those people who pointed us to Christ, who were fearless, who trusted in him, and who shared the gospel. 
we can be those people. God is calling us to be those people to others so that we will be full here. Maybe of people who look nothing like us. Maybe people who, who don't like the same things as us, but people who have been called to be united to Christ. We don't have something so meager to share here as, as a free lunch. We have the offer of a heavenly banquet, of sitting by the Father's side and entering into the joy of His salvation. That is the blessing that comes to the nations and our neighbors as we proclaim the gospel. And to do that, we, we need to love our neighbors, but we also need to be so captivated by God that we're not going to let anything else obscure His glory and what a blessing it is to have Him in our lives. We don't allow the fear of man to overcome our awe at the grace that has been shown to us. And so we need to do that by fellowshipping with one another, by, by making it normal to talk about Jesus here so that it's easy out there. We need to be studying Scripture, knowing more about God, and we need to be worshiping Him. And we need to see God for who He is. And so I'm going to ask the, the guys to come back up now. We're, we're going to raise our voices together when we move to respond through song. But know that when we're doing that, we are training ourselves to look to God and to be captivated by Him, to, to receive that blessing for ourselves, that the blessing of God Himself. We want to be, I hope we all want to be a people who bless others, who point them to Christ. And to do that, we need to be looking at Him ourselves. So let's remind ourselves, as we have been doing this evening, of that blessing now, that we get God. We get a relationship with the Lord.